Hey, welcome back to Green Rapids. Welcome back. <laughs> Today's topic is about consumerism. Consumerism is something that affects, that has like multiple levels of impacts like on our environment, but it also affects our society too. Um, I will dive less deeply into the societal aspects of it, but I will touch on the environmental part a little bit. Um, I'm going to start off with some of like the history and kind of go from there. So I will be the gloomy, just cloudy thunderstorm of the sadness that comes with talking about some of these heavy topics. And then Erica's going to follow right up with some luscious sunshine. Yep. This is right, right on theme with who we were born to be. <laughs> Agreed. So just, as I like to do, I'll start with a definition. The Oxford Languages Dictionary offers us two definitions. The first is the protection or promotion of the interest of consumers. But that's not really my experience with the word consumerism or with consumerism as a concept. Mm-hmm. And the second definition, which does come with a little warning that says often derogatory, is the preoccupation of society with the acquisition of consumer goods. Basically, an assumption with buying stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of times that's stuff that we desire but don't need. And like I say, I'm guilty of that because I desire being the coolest punk kid, punk kid on the block. <laughs> oh, I, it comes with so many accessories. But do I need to do that? <laughs> if you want to be punk, you better be ready to have like chains and earrings and jewelry. Okay, but see, like, that's like a movement that was commodified because it used to be so DIY. Like you were fake punk if you did not DIY your shizzle. You have to. Now you got a hot topic. Now you got a hot topic. <laughs> Anyways. Oh my god, this is so good. But I guess it's like tying in exactly what we're talking about, yeah. right? Like hi- hot topic is cheaper stuff. Mm-hmm. It's in a mall, which is like surrounded by places for you to just buy, it's buy, buy. Totally. Like the whole point of being punk is being like kind of like a f the big man individual, and now we're like giving into the corporate idea of punk, which is just buying punk stuff well you're giving into what the idea of like following society Mm -hmm. and society currently is just buying stuff yeah all the time yeah like hey this is a version of yourself that you want to be and i'm like oh it kind of is so (laughs) (laughs) call her out call yourself out let's hear it i said i was was gonna be really honest with this one i love it um so start with some of the history in human history scarcity was kind of the norm right like as humans were starting to figure out how to live in society and live together and live in communities every bit of food and clothing and water and shelter increased our chances of survival so it's kind of instinctual to want to acquire a certain amount of material just to ensure future survival that's part of the frontal lobe function is to like think about the future and try to solve those issues of the future frontal lobe is referring to what helps you make your decisions and so oh yeah it's part of your processes this is your brain so the part right behind your forehead if you know where your third eye is or yep you're just above your eyebrows and then right in the middle Mm -hmm. um that is your frontal lobe and that develops until you're about like 30 almost so like being surrounded by consumerism Mm -hmm. until you're our age is totally going to impact yeah it's going to impact how your frontal lobe develops and then how you make those decisions um so in the past the frontal lobe cortex was really focused on survival and the future so a lot of our instinct revolved around just trying to do everything possible to increase our chances of making it you know 
Um, so as technological advances were made, you know, little by little over like thousands of years and life got a little bit easier, the instinct to acquire more and more could have faded away, but it didn't. Um, because as these technological advances were developed, only a certain few were actually benefiting from it. So that created mm. like a really huge disparity between the ruling class and the working class. So we're talking about like this mindset comes from scarcity, like mm-hmm. true scarcity. Mm-hmm. And then people start to like want to collect things yeah. and start to like make sure that they brings them safety mm-hmm. and then that mindset never leaves and now it's creeping into our homes um with like advertisements and the need to have everything is mm-hmm. that right or yeah. okay mm-hmm. okay yeah so that's like the basically just like huge macro look at it okay mm-hmm. that was my elementary version of <laughs> am i getting this right <laughs> getting it so as the ruling class became wealthy and the work the poor became poorer um, religion was weaponized and the poor were told to dismiss materialism and embrace spirituality and basically, you know, rejecting all kind of like material wealth or luxury. But they did that with the promise of heavenly wealth in the next life. So even though they were kind of kept away from a lot of the accessories that made life more easy for a certain group of people, wealth was not unimportant to them, right? Like they still cared about wealth. But they were just promised this wealth in the next life. And that's kind of what kept the classes separate for so long, too. So the idea was you're going to work hard enough to be able to get out of your situation. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, be okay with what's going on. Yeah, it's like this is your lot in life. Right. It's the idea that, like, everybody has their place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And that became a pride thing. People started becoming, like, taking pride in being in those classes. Yes. Yeah, because they were wow. like, oh, like I'm just going to be so much richer when I get to heaven. When was that mindset formed? Like, is there a certain time period where that became more? It depended a little bit on the different countries, because different countries mm. kind of moved at different paces. So in the 17th century, we actually, like, as travel increased and, like, the world began to shrink a little bit, that led to new trade routes. And then the trade routes needed to be manned by, like, traders and merchants, and those traders and merchants became the new middle class. Before this, there was no middle class, right? So the, all the purchasing power was held by the ruling class and the, the uber wealthy only. The poor couldn't buy shizzle. The main thing, they really just like made things work with whatever they had, whatever they found. Um, but this new middle class meant that suddenly there was a whole new group of people with new buying power. And a lot of that wealth, a lot of what they purchased was like aspirational because they wanted to be rich, right? It gave them something to aspire for. So that was one of the motivators between behind like that level of consumerism. Well, and doesn't isn't that the same for us now? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of us not only want to be wealthy because we want that security, but we also feel like having the things we want and need are going to magically c- make, like, resolve our problems, make us happier, yeah, etc. Mm-hmm. Make us feel that security that we're really looking for. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it can like let me be real. When you are struggling or you are really poor and it's hard, money can help with those things. Yes. Uh-huh. And money has become so necessary. but mm-hmm. Yeah, money does make you happier to a point. So shortly after the trade routes and stuff, we, have, we experienced the super famous Industrial Revolution, um, which peaked during 1760 and 1840. The Industrial Revolution really, really changed how things were made, right? Before this, everything was either, like, handmade or made in, like, small batches. Like, 
you know, if you're rich and you're gonna, you wanted a dress, you would go to a dressmaker who would make it for you. And if you were not rich, you would make your own dress. Right. right. So like that just, there was like a certain level of work that went into acquiring new goods. Um, and there was obviously like a cost associated with that. There was also a cost of like not treating your goods well. Yes. And back then, because goods were so precious, because they took so long to make or acquire, because like even if you were super rich and could afford all the dresses, they still took so long to make that it wasn't like that instant gratification that we're used to now, you know? Yeah. So the Industrial Revolution led to the like mass production of a lot, a lot, a lot of goods that were prior to this, like either took too long to make or were kind of expensive. So it dropped prices so that they were like affordable to people, okay. um, including this new middle class. And then the Industrial Revolution and the mass production of items led to the creation of department stores, a la Meyer and Target, etc. And stop, stop bringing Target into this. It's my weakness. Though. I know. Uh, I like love slash hate Target. I'm if just you see kidding. me at Target, don't please s- don't judge me. <laughs> Look away. <laughs> pretend you don't see me. <laughs> There's so many other things they do to offset. I swear. Slay. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, <laughs> this hurts. The consumer in me. The consumer in me loves Target. It's sucky. Um, so department stores kind of made shopping an acceptable pastime. And that was one of the big cultural shifts that happened during that time, too. Mm. However, like at the time, st- things were still being advertised for their purpose, right? So somebody was like, hey, there's this typewriter. They were like, this typewriter has like these like technical specs. And this is like what it's made of. However, big, business- big businesses realized that they could use psychological warfare to increase profits. Upgrades. Uh, a quote from a documentary I watched called Consumerism on YouTube says, if you understand what motivates people, you could influence them without them realizing it. And that's actually really what happened. One of the big players in this move was a guy by the name of Edward Bernays, who wrote Propaganda. Um, And it was really him who worked with a lot of big businesses to move American culture from a needs-based to a desire-based culture. And um, we learned that that ads all have one message, which is, it's better to buy than not to buy, and you will be happier for it. So will you define, just for people who are, like, trying to figure out, like, the difference, what it would be, like, needs-based versus desire-based? Okay, so I have a dog named Umi that I love a lot. And uh, her needs are just care, love, food, and water. But you know what else she gets? She gets treats. She gets stupid little dog hats. She gets... She gets dog coats. She gets... Coats and like, I mean, one might be a need, right, for the cold. But some of them are purely accessories. They are not a need at all. They're purely because I'm like, oh, this gives my dog style. This lets me project my (laughs) like version of myself onto my animal who has really just a dog personality. So that's like, I guess, one example. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then like even like with myself, like I have all the basic things that I need, right? Like food, water, shelter. But there's things that I want. Like, for example, I would like to have those vans that I saw at the store the other day that have the lightning bolt on them. Because I'm like, wow, those look so cool. And I'm like, I want to look cool. Well, also, they might make you faster if they have the lightning bolt on them. You know, that has, I don't know if that's been scientifically proven, but I'll put it to the test. I think we should go check it out. I'll go check it out. <laughs> um, no, but what if, you know, there is somewhat of a need to, like, look professional. Yes. To show up a certain way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, maybe not to keep up with a societal norm in one way or another, but like there might be times and places in our lives where it strictly calls for us to be a consumer mm-hmm. and it's hard to kind of separate from those sometimes. And so yeah. I guess I was wondering like what the need and want is, you know, but I think we also know when we're going with excess yeah, and when we're staying on like the side of, okay, I don't really need to mm-hmm. purchase this in this moment. Yeah, I would say a need would be like, say I work five days a week. And um, when I used to work at a retail kind of store where I had to like kind of look professional, I did wear like dress pants almost every day. Having five dress pants, maybe less, I would say would be a need. But having 10. Yeah, right. That's a lot, you know. Especially um, when you have a washer and dryer in your home. Yeah, and I you have, have like seven pairs. So, you know, I'm like right in the middle. No, you're in the middle. You have <laughs> options. I just wanted to be sure and like clarify because sometimes it's hard for people to know like mm-hmm. where their desires lie and then what's going to be necessity. Mm-hmm. And it is fair to say like, well, I do have a place where I have to show up and be for professional. Mm-hmm. And and um, so, yeah, how we draw a line might be the difference in how much of a consumer we are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, one of the things that, well, we could talk about thrifting later. Okay. Oh, we can talk about thrifting whenever you want. <laughs> Um, so in the 1920s, um, because of this overconsumption, I mean, overproduction and, you know, just like the industrial revolution and everything was just kind of like coming to a head. But big businesses hit a dilemma, which is overproduction. So since um, between 1860 to 1920, population had only tripled, but production had increased by more than tenfold. <laughs> of course. So like we just had an excess of products. Wow. So a lot of the big players in the business world got together. And they were like, hey, like, you know, a great solution might be to have a shorter work week and higher pay. That way um, we could just produce the items that are needed. And then, you know, people would be happier. They would probably have a higher quality of life because they have a longer weekend, you know. However, this was rejected because other big businesses thought that it could radicalize a society if they had enough time to think and maybe they wouldn't consume as much. So they're like, hmm, that might ruin our profits. And part of why they came to this thinking is that corporations are required by law to maximize profits for their shareholders, regardless of social or environmental impact. In short, profit over people. Production was no longer a way to satisfy needs, but, but rather a means to an end, which was maximizing profits. Dun, dun, dun. And... Media plays a large role in this, right? So, like, this is the age where people are sitting around their radios getting all of their information. Radios were coming into play. Radio and TV start coming in, mass communication. And those are all like controlled spaces where people are getting that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, then advertising became huge. And, like, we even know today, like, you can't listen to a song. Or watch some, uh, something on your phone without advertising. You can't yep. go on a website without having ads all over the place. Yep. And the, and they're contributing to the subconscious of so like a right of what we see mm-hmm. and what we feel like we need. Yeah. And like bl- blurring those lines, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know that was and then one of the things that they used other than psychology and stuff was also planned obsolescence. What is it? Um, it is when products are no longer made to last, but rather they're made to be replaced so you can buy more and more and more and more. Yeah. Example, I love iPhones, but iPhones, yeah, they don't last as long as they used to. I mean, I have an iPhone 8, and I've had it, and she's running strong since 2016. 
And I do kind of feel like I need to upgrade because I'm like, well, the camera kind of sucks. She is running. I'm living in the past. She is not running. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's running how it needs to, but I don't. You're I don't right. know. If, I don't know if it's high functioning. Uh, you're right. It's functioning though. It's it's functioning, but your phone is not high functioning. But part of me and is like, okay. if I get another new iPhone, is it gonna last as long as my? iPhone 8. Well, I we had know. this discussion the other day. Mm-hmm. I do have a newer phone, and mm-hmm. it's because I did need to get a newer phone. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're straight up like busted like, or something, right? Mine was just like shitting on me. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is I drop my phone so often, mm-hmm. and that contributes 100%. And mm-hmm. like, I need to be more f- mindful of where it comes from, mm-hmm. how much I paid for it. Yeah. I would never drop my laptop the way that I drop my phone. And I think it's definitely the way we treat things. It's definitely the way we see things, how we use them. Yeah, we treat things as disposable a lot of times. We do. Mm-hmm. Well, and we know we can get another one tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, everything's just, like, available there, right? Because it it's just out there. But, yeah, um, basically, um, planned obsolescence cr- just created a culture of using and discarding. or, And then it just became, like, a norm to, like, not use things until they wore out, but rather just replace them sooner than later. And... Like, just, like, really nurture that desire to just always, like, bye, 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 you know? Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Um, in the 1960s, hippies were became very, like, anti-capitalistic, and millions of them dropped out of capitalistic society, which could have been the start of something really positive and beautiful and more impacting. And, uh, I mean, they did definitely have an impact on society. But what crushed it was, like, the following... Well, I'll get to it. But in the 1970s is... <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're going to crush things. <laughs> uh, in the 1970s um, was the first time that environmental scientists were raising the alarm about the effects of all this con- extra consumerism and pollution and everything else on the planet. Um, and that, again, that could have been the start of something long and beautiful and more impactful. But it was crushed in the 1980s. When governments decided that, you know what, greed is good. Successful people are people that make more money. Um, successful companies are ones that put uh, the profits over people. And, like, basically just, like, cutting out, cutting the bottom line as low as it can to get as much profit as possible. And that led to a lot of things like um, factory fires from workers just being in these, like, incredibly inhumane and unhealthy mm. situations and environments um so lots of people have died for a lot of cheap clothing a lot of people to this day mm-hmm. still do get injured yes and but i don't know the rate at which people live or lose lives but like, I look at the numbers. it's a brutal mm-hmm. workforce yeah. and process like that it's not cute how we're getting clothes by any means Mm-mm. people are not happy it's unhealthy to be in these work conditions physically, mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. And then you're also getting underpaid, which means you're not going to be able to get yourself out of this position, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, as we know, like there's a lot of environmental impacts to that. Um, part of it is the fact that there are more polluted emissions. So because there's so, so many more plants needed to run all these factories and this like desire for cars and transportation and all that stuff that obviously creates like a really huge strain on our energy systems. Um, There's increased land use in terms of like agriculture and a lot of crops that are basically grown for like, for example, like palm oil is one that's really contributing to like deforestation. 
and it's like in everything that it really doesn't need to be in but it just happens to be really cheap what are types of things that palm oil's in uh, just like could, a quick list it could be in um body and hair products it could be in nutella it could be in peanut butter it could be in um a lot of meat-based products it could be used as like a binder or something like okay. that okay mm-hmm. yeah uh, a lot of processed sweets um, so, and then also like, so all these things are contributed to contributing to an accelerated climate change effect. And that's on top of the pollution of the things being produced themselves. Right. And so I'm thinking we can even just break one thing down specifically, like mm. clothes. Think Oof. about the process that one shirt does that's go special. through from, you know, one stage to another. So it's either going to be out of what, like cotton, which means space to grow this cotton, or it's going to be made <clears> out of plastics mm-hmm. which is what poly what is it what's the word polyester polyester thank you i don't know why that left my brain polyester equals plastic right yeah it's a petroleum product too so it's so, also further contributing to the fossil fuel industry yeah so you're, it, if you have a polyester shirt it's made out of plastic it's ran in a factory that's emitting fumes into the air Mm -hmm. it's also running off of high amounts of energy Mm -hmm. and it's coming from china Mm -hmm. and then that gets shipped over to the u.s inefficiently Mm -hmm. and then we get we we purchase them either online or in stores and they get shipped to our homes or we drive to our stores to get them and then you wear them a couple of times and you throw them away and they go back into landfills into those same countries Mm -hmm. Or they just go into the trash in our own landfills. Right. Mm-hmm. That's typically the process that's happening with these fast fashion products. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so there is no way at getting out of the cycle of waste. Right. I mean, yeah. We're that's just, just yeah, we're just creating mountains of waste. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about fast fashion and things, ways that you can help, or just like. Um, just if you just want to learn about how it's affecting the world then in terms of like society and the environment, you can go to fashionrevolution.org. Um, they are a group that are looking to become the world's largest fashion activism movement. And they're trying to just like do things like uh, change consumer culture and also like holding pr- producers and companies and brands accountable through research, education, and advocacy. And I just read that off of their about page. So feel free to check them out if you want to learn more about fast fashion. Yeah. Um, and are there any other products that you can think of offhand besides, like we have phones, clothes, yeah, technology. So like getting a new upgrade on a TV, like that's not going to be necessary. Right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, um, like getting a new vibe in your space because you want to like go Mm -hmm. with the season or Mm -hmm. go with a time or buying new, um, Christmas decorations every year. Like that can be a form of consumerism, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So depending on where your your weaknesses weaknesses are it might be a good idea to just address those spaces mm-hmm. yeah like my weakness is like the dog necessary <laughs> dog accessories <laughs> why do i do that no that's that's your love language to your dogs yeah and then i mean and also like gift giving is one of my love languages so i'm like how can i be more ethical and intentional about that yeah you know um yeah so that's my bit that is consumerism history 101 Boom. Now, solutions. Solutions. It's not all doom and gloom, unfortunately. I think it's also safe to say that, like, we have kind of tripped and fell into 
this lifestyle Mm -hmm. and this understanding like no one told me that when I wanted a phone when I was 14 years old so I could text my friends that it was going to relate to me having my phone in my pocket as my computer almost 24 Mm 7 like nobody told me that they don't warn you no and and it kind of seemed like a cool idea at the time even right but remember the sidekicks it was just so uh, cool. Like, they were so, so desirable, right? And yeah, like, like all the hot girls in my school had a sidekick. So I was like, I want to be a hot girl. The I coolest people had sidekicks. And I even flip and they had blackberries. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of it, you mm-hmm. know? So, like, it was very desirable to mm-hmm. have these things, to upgrade them. We were kids when we were in the middle of, like, getting into all of that. I mean, like, we all think about the, like, uh, we all know the advertisements for cereal, shit cereal, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the like, you need these action figures and you need this additional That's thing. the power of brand language. I wanted the Barbie dream boat and the Jeep and all the accessories for her mm-hmm. and Ken and, and his friends and just all of it. Can I throw you one more definition? I Dude, do whatever you want. Branding is... The art of building a connection between consumers and a company, which is just exactly what I was ex- just exactly, exactly what I was explaining. Exactly what I it. wanted Barbie everything, and I w- I didn't want it to be not Barbie. Mm-hmm. And you could tell if it wasn't Barbie brand. And why? Because establishing a brand that customers trust creates expectations of the quality of the brand, which makes you feel more unique or special for being one of those people that you know are a customer of that brand. Totally. Mm-hmm. And Me that, wearing my Doc Martens right now. You yeah, talking it, about your Vans. I mean, it's the vans, same. I mean, exactly. even the Vans I'm wearing right now have a cool little little patch. I will give myself a shout out. I've had these boots for three years. Nice. Mm-hmm. They have seen some stuff, which I'll actually talk about right now. Okay. So um, the solution, and this is a self-solution. Yeah. Um, but I also And one of many solutions, right? It was a, this is more like an individual activism solution well in in i was just going to say i think it also like our individual action is going to lead to hopefully impacting corporations down the line mm-hmm. because with your dollars. the real the reality is is when you vote for your dollars if you do not support people's pockets they can't function in the same way mm-hmm. they just won't um I, I continue to say this i know like i'll be real i'm going to go to a a music festival in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and I want walkie talkies. I cannot find affordable walkie talkies and packs anywhere. I'm going to get them off Amazon. They're going to be delivered to my house in a time that I need to. And I, I need to get a certain amount. Right. And I want them to be affordable. To be fair though, how many times have you ordered from Amazon this but year? I don't order from Amazon. I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And as we talk about these things so right like that feels like a want and a need for me Mm -hmm. but then it also is like we don't have to have everything be a want and need and Mm -hmm. so I think it's not necessarily about not wanting things it's about deciding which desires are worth giving into yeah and so a lot of um of the ways that I've learned this it was actually when I got into the rabbit hole right Mm -hmm. picture this it's April of 2020. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> set the scene. Set the scene for us. We've been quite literally locked in our homes for weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this rabbit hole. Um, I just have this, like, opportunity to... Start over. Really start kind of over. Right? That's such a good way of putting it. Just, like, not really have the same concerns that I've had for a chunk of time. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, 
thinking about all of the the things I want to do um, for my future. And a handful of those were like tiny home, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've always thought about tiny home. And a tiny home is in regulation size from 100 square feet to 400 square feet. Like that is to be considered tiny home. Anything above that is Mm -hmm. out of that regulation size. Yeah. And um, so I'm like, in this rabbit hole deep 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 i'm looking at everything i'm watching documentaries i'm on youtube i'm like yep i know everything you could ask me anything and i'd be like i got it i got details all of it Mm -hmm. and it just started to really pique my interest but then you start thinking about how much like 100 square feet is how much 400 square feet is and that's the size of a very small apartment yeah that's the size of like a studio apartment Mm -hmm. And so you can't have all of your things. I have a room at this moment in my life that just is filled with stuff. Yeah. And it's filled with stuff that like I've acquired over years because it felt necessary. Mm-hmm. Everything that I had was just from being like a broke teenage to t- young 20s. And I just was taking it along with me because it felt necessary. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really getting rid of anything, right? Because it's like your stuff. Yeah. It's, so just it's my like, stuff. Yeah. And like you like put yourself into your stuff kind of. Yeah. And I'm acquiring things. And when you have roommates, like you make sure that you have your things. But you also like you. I don't know. It's weird because like I wouldn't have furniture, but I would, you know, like I'm not gonna have like a full couch to share with somebody because my old roommate did. Then I would just take pride in having all of my other things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like looking around and I'm like, I don't even really enjoy a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just there to support my life. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I wasn't really at the point in my life where I could just swap those out easily because things are expensive mm-hmm. and and I don't really feel like I'm a consumer at heart. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, oh, go can ahead. I interrupt just to tell y'all that I took Erica to Ikea and buying something new <laughs> made her a little anxious because she's so used to not buying new. She's like really good at not being a consumer. I will say that. It was like pulling teeth for me to get a new lamp and I needed one and I've been trying to thrift one for freaking so long mm-hmm. it's like overwhelming and mm-hmm. I finally see one that I like and I'm like should I get it and she's like Erica it's a lamp for your house <laughs> get the lamp get the lights so that you can feel comfortable in your room and and that's just kind of like the way that I've kind I've thought that's for a long your brain time works, yeah mm-hmm. exactly um but I, so I at the time Marie Kondo is also getting really really popular and again we're all locked in our homes and we're like have you seen that documentary so I finally I break love Marie Kondo. I love her she is so great Maybe we should have her on the podcast someday oh god <laughs> I'm putting this out into the universe <laughs> we're putting this this is like a that's a pipe dream um <laughs> but she um, really goes in deeply about showing appreciation for your things. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are consumers. Mm-hmm. And so I'm stuck in my home and I'm like thinking about all the things I have. Um, and again, I'm in this this deep rabbit hole of what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, zoning for tiny homes in not only this city, but in Michigan in general is very tough to find. Oh, um, sucks. Yeah. And, and it's really just hard. You have to be very sure about your plans and mm-hmm. everything and i just like wasn't there yet yeah i was very much into van life ah. and so um i'm going through and, and you know she has the best mindset on how to go through your things and really take them um for like not take them for granted so like you hold something and decide whether or not it's brought value to you Mm -hmm. and then you say yes or no and appreciation for it Mm -hmm. um she has a docu-series that everybody who wants to try to rid themselves of like being 
chained to their things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also has four books. Um, so I watched this and I'm like, wow, you know, I really should get rid of some of my things. I'm getting into this idea of van life. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, it's even smaller than a tiny home. <laughs> you really yeah. can't take anything with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started going through all of my stuff uh, because I committed to living in the camper for the summer. So I purchased a camper and a way to tow it. And again, I'm going to note that I had privilege to do this in this moment of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also decided, like, I don't want to keep paying rent in a place that, like, is just going to fill up with stuff and Mm -hmm. not fulfill dreams and and my wants and my Mm -hmm. needs. And so um, I wanted my wants to be experience-based. Yeah. So I donated everything. Like, everything I had. I had donated my car, which was a piece right mm-hmm. like I, I think i told a the POS, per- if you yeah will. <laughs> i i think i told the person like not sure how long this car is gonna last you but like it's it's gotten me through the past like year and a half for two years mm-hmm. and it was a pos when i bought it mm-hmm. um yeah i donated my car um i donated my awesome huge Tempur-Pedic bed <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> i hope you're still using it out there um i <laughs> donated all of my clothes except for what I could carry with me mm-hmm. um, in my Jeep. I, all belongings except for sentimental. So th- yeah. this is everything. Mm-hmm. Kitchen items that couldn't fit in my camper and I yeah. wasn't going to use. I mm-hmm. mean, and just doing that was really freeing. Um, and, and I... I would love to experience something like that someday. It's kind of difficult, but also like you get into this rhythm, right? Where you're deciding like what is necessary in my life. And you still, it's so much more than you can carry. Mm-hmm. And if I were to throw a backpack on and go to the beach today, I would still have more than I can carry with me. Right. You yeah. know, and, and that's just the mindset that we have at all times. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to really lean into that life. And I used assistance from people like Marie Kondo. Um, there's also a documentary um, that I watched. And right before... Um, I bring them up. I will say that these people are living in privilege. Um, it's Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. Um, mm-hmm. They are the founders of the Minimalist Podcast. They also have a New York Times bestseller book and a documentary based on. I think their they're experience. all called Minimalism, right? It uh, so the. It's the Minimalist podcast. Okay. And then I'm not sure what the book is called, but it might be called Minimalism. Um, yeah. And then the documentary is. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be found on Netflix, I believe. Um, but it's just really good examples. I think they're a bit more abrasive. Um, but those are ways that I kind of helped formed my mindset around what being a minimalist is. Yeah. And so um, a minimalist is just somebody who lives only needs-based. Mm-hmm. Before you purchase something, you're going to decide whether or not you truly need it. Mm-hmm. Before you decide what your needs are, you kind of have to evaluate why you have certain needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a really great way to tie it into climate is one: you're not going to just acquire things to acquire them. Yeah, but like also it just cre- like stops like that mindless, just like, oh, that's nice. I'm gonna buy it. Yes, it's like almost like you can't appreciate it without buying it. You can't appreciate it without buying it. You can't appreciate what you have at home if yeah, you're gonna continue. You know, too. when you and it, when you're buried under your things, mm-hmm. you don't really things lose their specialness if you have too many of them. Absolutely. And Hmm. so since then, I'm going to be real, since then, this was 
three years ago, I have acquired more in my life, right? Mm -hmm. I have an apartment, um, so I'm no longer living out of a camper, which I only did for a handful of months. The fact that you were even able to do that, though, I feel like almost everybody else that I know would just be like, oh, just put this stuff in storage. It just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to let things collect dust? Yeah. I didn't really want to come back to things. But I feel like you kind of really disperse things, like, not just to, like, thrift stores, I'm assuming, but also, like, amongst your community, right? Oh, 100%. Mm -hmm. People people got my things first, and then places got my things. Mm -hmm. And... I still to this day have a hard time with the amount of things that I do have or acquiring things. Funnily enough, one of my one of our mutual friends came over to Erica's and uh, they commented that Erica has maybe two little things. things. (laughs) I I would not consider myself a minimalist. Right. Uh And there are a lot of things I allow for myself to be completely outside of minimalism with. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge part that we have to realize you don't have to shift your entire lifestyle. No. Because that would make you miserable. Mm-hmm. Like if you love shoes and you need to have options for shoes and you're going to care for them and you're going to treasure them, treasure them mm-hmm. have your shoes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you can have your shoes and your trinkets, right? Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean you can have shoes in every single book you want and every single movie you want. And you can't, you know, have every single other item that you want. Mm-hmm. I think it's all about finding a balance and then it's also about deciding what you really um, what really brings you happiness. Mm -hmm. And I can personally say that there isn't really anything like experiences. And when you separate yourself from your things, Mm -hmm. you don't have to clean them as much. You don't have to tend to them. You don't Mm -hmm. have to maintain them. Um, when you buy things that are really of value, you mm-hmm. don't have to spend time replacing them. As and often. you can mm-hmm. spend time with your your people mm-hmm. and spend time doing the things that you want to do or utilizing the objects that you have. Right. Um, so I'm always going to remind us of ways that we can be minimalist beyond just saying the word and saying that's what you can do. Yeah. Um, so be mindful of your, your purchases mm-hmm. of maybe where they come from or how many you're making. Mm-hmm. I like to purchase from thrift stores as much as I can. I've said this a million times. It also prevents me from like... We've already established that Erica's a thrift queen. But like it stops me from like if... D- it, I decide if I need something. And mm-hmm. the universe also just brings it into my life if I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can donate because a lot of people thrift things that are donated. And it just is a way of recycling them. Mm-hmm. You can decide through seasons of what mm-hmm. you're going to choose to keep and mm-hmm. what you're not. Um, a lot of minimalists will do things like share clothing or do clothing swaps. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I do want to have a clothing swap in my house sometime. Or like if you know somebody who's the same size as you, you could potentially like borrow something from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Like more of a community-based approach to things and stuff. Well, and then I would say to, um, to be mindful when you are making purchases that you're purchasing things that are not going to destroy our planet, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're going to buy a utensil at the store, consider buying maybe, like, a wood one or not Mm -hmm. buying one that's going to wear and tear quickly, you know? Or Or those cheap plastic ones that just melt when you use them. I know they're more affordable at the moment, but, like, how many of those are you going to go through and what does that impact leave later? And we're aware that it is expensive to be poor, and a lot of these, like, things that we're saying may not be, like, accessible to everybody. But if you you do have the, the means to do so... 
like it is worth make making that a little bit of extra effort. Yeah. You save like time, energy and money. And so it's, try to not aspire to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say to not aspire to be successful um, or maybe not aspire to be wealthy, but don't maybe don't make the material aspect of it the, the end goal. You know, yeah. I think really to give credit to this conversation, it's so easy to get wrapped up in mm-hmm. when we have access to people's lives and we get to see the best parts of them. Thanks, social media. Social media makes us feel like we have to have a new outfit every day, mm-hmm. uh, the best cars. We, it makes us feel like we have to be building and constantly growing. Mm-hmm. Again, the change your home from this vibe to that vibe. Like mm-hmm. for a long time, it was farmhouse and now that's out and you got to be a hippie. And it's just like, it's exhausting. But uh, farmhouse chic has always rubbed me the wrong way. Live, laugh, love. That's what I think about it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The distressed paint. Mm. The dis- it's the distressed paint for me. Um, <laughs> no, but I just, I think it's really hard to get outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so learning the facts and then making mindful decisions around the type of lifestyle that you want to live can be helpful. You don't have to call yourself a minimalist to be more of one. You don't have to call yourself an environmentalist to live a more environmentally friendly life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just be more intentional mm-hmm. and thoughtful. Um, and... I love Target. (laughs) I'm Uh, just going to say it again. It needs to be said. We hate Target, but also... They've learned our algorithm. Dude, they got me figured the freak out. I hate it. How do they have all of us figured out, if we're different people, they've figured out the algorithm of... Branding, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. So um, our call to action for the week will mm-hmm. be to maybe find a way to de-brand yourself mm-hmm. or potentially look into a brand or a certain thing that you're really really mm-hmm. like you've never looked to do before just consider yeah some people do like no buy challenges where like for like a month you don't buy anything outside of like food and food really that would be so hard mm-hmm. that's tough I don't want to keep telling us to start making different decisions to make a difference. Because at the end of the day, it's the corporations that are overproducing it and then lumping their problem onto us that are the real problem. But I do believe that if we shift our mindsets away from um, their ability to control them, we win. Dude, I mean, you know, like I'm like, slut for Aldi. (laughs) And like Aldi always has such like this tank top that I'm wearing. <laughs> Aldi, <laughs> and it's like the most comfortable tank top I own, and I'm just like, and it, you are the one person. If there's a tank top, you're buying it. I'm buying it, and also, <laughs> okay, can I tell you something? Tell me. I bought one of these tanks up at Aldi, one of these tank tops at Aldi, and I was like, damn, I don't want to take this off. It's so comfortable. And I went back and I bought another one. Okay, but is it good quality? Mm-hmm. It's made out of recycled plastic. Did it fill your needs? Yeah, because now I could wear a tank top more. Was it within a budget? Yeah, it was like $10. Did it feel excess? No. There you go. Mm-hmm. Like th- That's literally the the thought process you could th- go through. Yeah. This is filling a need. It's also something I want. Mm-hmm. I don't have an excess amount of these at home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wear this. It's comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, clothes clothes are a necessity. Yeah. And I will say, um, like I mentioned before, that I was like very, very poor going through college. So a lot of the clothes that I had 
are from before college and they are falling apart. So I'm, I feel like I am in this really weird state of like semi-needful yeah. consumerism because I'm like, oh, this stuff is falling apart. Time to replace it. So I'm going through kind of like that phase of my life right now. How about we encourage then to go from consumerism mindset to just needful consumerism? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just go through when you're at the store next and you're going down an aisle and you see yourself pick something up, just go through that process. Like, is this filling a need? Is Mm -hmm. it adding to excess? Mm -hmm. Or is it something that's going to actually bring value to my life? Yeah. And if you save um, $5, buy me coffee. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just that deal. don't forget there's sustainable options out there for most things that you need so if it's within your means shop sustainable share what you made a switch to or something you decided to get rid of mm-hmm. and um, keep being amazing I'll see you next time peace bye